Hi, you are listening to Mediation Station, and this is your host, Greg Fenton. Each week we explore topics and ideas related to the experience of people with conflict and look to promote the profession of conflict resolvers. We are available to connect with at greggf at primus.ca and 647-227-4734. Visit us at our Facebook page to like us and Facebook group page to become a member. Also visit YouTube channels for both CHHA, 1610AM, and Greg Fenton. Listen to podcasts of each radio show by visiting either of SoundCloud.com or iTunes Podcasts under Mediation Station in the Arts area. We have a Twitter account that is at Fenton Mediation, so follow us. Tonight's conversation is basically a continuing conversation from last week that was first opening up the door. Perspectives and, and overview of youth challenges here and there. Tonight we're looking deeper and more local, and we have Deca Noor and Safiya Ahmed. So how about the, the two of you, starting with you, Safiya, and then moving on to Deca. How would you introduce yourselves? My name is Safiya. So I'm a mother of two young men. I'm a Somali descent. I came to Canada in 1990s, um, 1990 actually. Unlike a lot of uh, Somali community members who lived in Somalia when the war broke, I did not live there at the time. I actually came from Middle East. Um, it was about the time the Gulf War was starting. So I came here, um, you know, as uh, you know, I chose uh, to, to come to Canada. Um, and then the war broke, and then I stayed here. I came to Toronto in January okay. of 1990, so, and, uh, you know, with nobody, I didn't know anybody. And so what have you uh, become in terms of a professional person? When I came to Canada, like, you know, we all have our own education school and um, had a Bachelor's of Commerce when I arrived here, and... Um, uh, really fell in love with 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 nursing um, when I had my baby uh, and being by myself and new to the country and I c it, nursing became a focus. We all were raised, you know, to aim like you know, be a doctor or kind of be an engineer. But uh, the kindness um, and the care that I received giving birth. Um, to my young, my, my you know, my second child with nobody because my two-year-old was sick and my husband couldn't be in the hospital with me, and that completely changed the concept uh, that I had or the ideas I had about nursing. So because of that caring, I went into nursing here. Okay, and so that's what your current practice is. Yes, I'm. A, yeah, I'm a community nurse. Okay, so how about you, Deca? Share some information about yourself. Hi, thank you so much for having me tonight. Uh, this is a um, really great, great uh, way of really connecting and sharing uh, different stories. Um, yeah, so um, my name is Daka, and uh, and I live in Toronto, of course. Mm -hmm. There's a, a lot to say, uh, but I will start off by saying, of course, I'm a descent of the uh, from Somalia, mm -hmm. born in Somalia. Right. And Came to Canada uh, at a young age. Um, went to middle school, of course, and uh, went to high school. Went to George Brown, and now I'm at York. But uh, I have a passion uh, when it comes to uh, social development. So uh, I do work as a social uh, development 
worker with uh, a lot of the our, our community across the city of Toronto. Okay. So, uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm of course a mom of three kids, <laughs> uh, but uh, um, most of my day uh, revolves with uh, working with communities uh, either downtown, Topico, Scarborough. You'll find me in North York one minute, and um, and you know there there are a lot of work that needs to be done, and uh, it it means a lot to me, especially when it comes to uh, uh, young people, uh, whether uh, families who are in need of uh, support, or whether it's uh, our youth that are looking for um, you know chances and things in life to look up to or well, you know when it comes to our seniors as well because we have a large population that is aging so making sure that uh, their uh, voices um, are heard um, by all either you know all sectors uh, public private and you know so I enjoy most of the time working with all sectors but I also very very passionate about grassroots because I, I feel like it's always um, important to make sure that no one is missed out and everybody has a voice. So as a community developer, I enjoy um, really going from places um, in the city. Okay, so the two of you were here, and we talked last week about the uh, overview and perspectives of uh, forced migration, specifically focused on Somalia and how people because of the uh, tension, the conflict, the war that broke out that's been going on for the last almost 30 years or so mm-hmm. that uh, compelled people to leave because of their fear for safety and their need for security. So many migrated to Toronto in addition to other parts of the world. And that's when there was an influx of uh, Somali individuals, 1990, 1995 approximately. And when they came here, they found a big difference with where they came from. And uh, there was a lot of um, concern amongst them in terms of how will they fit in or can they fit in. You know, when people leave under forced or pressured perspectives, they're not always connected to where they're going to because they're somewhat feeling, how am I leaving where I'm coming from and who am I leaving behind? And so many individuals of the families left someone behind. Many male members were left behind. So in terms of the two of you, you know, we're focused on the Somali community, and the idea is that whatever we're talking about, what we talked about last week, is not exclusive to the Somali community. It's many immigrant communities that experience similar concerns. So how does culture contribute to the work that each of you do? So I'll start with you, Safia. How does culture contribute? That's a deep question. Mm-hmm. Culture. I would say um, not a culture per se, uh, but maybe more so religion, I find, plays a uh, really central role. In, in what the, way? In the Somali community. We um, use the lens of religion to make decisions for ourselves. So, for example, gatherings, if we gather um, men gather separately than women, um, and women, uh, if there is um, even if there's a death in the mosque, say for example, men will 
together in separate uh, areas than the woman. So that um, unless there is um, some sort of um, other functions, maybe some weddings, and the individual decides how they want to do it, generally that is what happens. Mind you, even though Somalis are almost 99% Muslim, um, the when I went to school, I sat in a co-ed school cl classes, like with boys. Um, I wore any clothing that I wanted. I could travel wherever I wanted. But there has been a renewed um, religion convictions uh, since especially the last 30 years. And some may argue is a lot of funding that came from Arab wolves. Um, others will argue that we didn't know religion and now we know religion, so this is the practice. Some argue that because when you lose everything you had, material stuff, all that is left is what's in your head and believe in religion, that everything will be okay. So I find in the Somali community, religion is the central um, thing that connects the So Deka, how about you share now? Um, yeah, so uh, I mean, culture plays uh, a big role in any individual or community. We know that culture is forever evolving. Cultures do change, do, you know, but at the same time, we know that it forms human beings. Um, we know that some, some cultures have a tie to different faith. Uh, when it comes to the Somali community, of course, every uh, ethnicity, every, um, anyone around the world, most of us, even here in Canada, we have our own culture, you know? So I think a culture is an amazing, it, it, it forms uh, individuals, it forms um, communities, and culture, uh, it's a great thing. Uh, but sometimes, of course, if culture is used in a wrong way, it can be also a problem. If culture is not understood, it can also create problems. If there's a conflict between two cultures, which in the case of the Somali community, Obviously, anybody that, any community, any wave of people that came to Canada or anywhere else that migrated will, of course, face that clash. And Somali community, obviously, was no different. So, so when you say about uh, within the culture of Somalis, mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? Um, because culture is the foundation of of. of any community because mm -hmm. it's the foundation for any community you see the the resistance sometimes of uh, carrying on another culture but what we learn now uh, not only with me and the Somali community is that we don't have to stimulate we don't have to take on another culture we came to this country because we're looking for safety mm -hmm. a better life because of where we came from there was conflict Mm -hmm. And we 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 were in the you know um, we if we stayed we would probably lose our lives. So coming here doesn't mean it's 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 um, that we have to stimulate. But you can actually learn other cultures um, here in Canada. We don't have some we have a you know a general culture, but we also do tend to go into other communities and learn other cultures. Right. We don't have to. We're not forced but we want to. And um, one of the things um, 
that hindered in uh, when the Somali community came to Canada is that they were more focusing on not getting to know the Canadian culture, uh, you know, sort of like uh, exchanging, uh, bringing, because sometimes when you come to another place, you bring with you uh, a, something that's great. And uh, I think one of the things that I, growing up, uh, that I wish the Somali community when they came early 90s, I, ho I wish they had the opportunity to share their culture because that somewhat was missed out. Now you, that you mean with the broader community? Yeah, now that in my generation, after you know, year, close to 30 years, uh, we realized that uh, when they first came, if they were explained that what they're bringing is also a beneficial to our society, our Canadian society, I think we would have seen a different turnout than what we see now. Uh, things would have been a lot more pro uh, uh, easier for them to, you know, settled. Um, of course, um, you know, Sophia touched on uh, religion. Um, Somali community was the first wave of um, Muslim uh, uh, nations that came to Canada. Uh, and the issue somewhat with that was uh, there, were n there was not... Um, mosques there was no uh ways for them to um you know have have a something that is what they know from back home so they have to create all that from scratch and now that we see other uh muslim nations that are coming to canada um especially canada and in any of the western world or other parts of the world we see them um, you know, sort of integrating quicker because those foundations were set by mostly the Somali community. Um, and, and that is something, although we uh, carry somewhat the weight, but uh, we're sort of happy in a way that now other people have some place to come and not feel strange or mm -hmm. alienated. Mm -hmm. So, yes, we do somewhat suffered. <laughs> Uh, you know, and not understanding uh, others, uh, you know, other communities don't understand our culture and our religion. But um, now um, a lot of the um, uh, Canadians do understand the Somali community culture and they understand that the Somali community, most of them have a different religion than what uh, most of the Canadians are used to uh, having here in Canada. So you know when they when people migrate, they generally have two terms when they come to this a new country. They use the words either assimilate or integrate. And assimilate basically is where you give up your a sense of identity, your culture, whatever, you, and you become part of the broader. And there's a lack of connection with one's own identity then because you become part of something. And when you come to a country like Canada, which is very diverse, I don't know what you're becoming part of. Though, of course, the mainstream has certain values and uh, beliefs. So integration is where you, it's a more healthier, and that's what we would promote, uh, opportunity where people retain their sense of identity, where they're from, and also engage with the broader community. And that's a healthier type of process of settling again. So, uh, Safia, any anything to say? Yeah, uh, I... I agree. Um, after all, Canada is a multicultural uh, country, 
um, uh, I wish uh, <laughs> I wish uh, when we arrived um, we or even when my kids were going to school that I've learned um, beyond multiculturalism this is um, indigenous uh, land and uh, you know we are um, commerce to this um, beautiful mm -hmm. nation um, and I am uh, for um, multiculturalism, but also I can't um, speak to where sometimes it fails, new communities, especially communities that come from, um, you know, uh, war-torn countries, and I hate that phrase, but that's what is used. You have to understand um, war affects everyone when, you know, close your eyes and imagine something horrible happening in a community. It doesn't have to be in Canada, but anywhere. And in that community has every um, everybody of you know sample of everybody of that nation, no matter what they belong, uh, who they belong to in Somalia. Um, unfortunately, or fortunately, I don't know which one. Uh, we have um, tribal system where your kinship is your um, the people that take care of you. It's like your your insurance if you get sick or if someone needs help that's your tribe is first the people that come to you um, so and also part of the religion there is somewhere it says know each other uh, through your tribes meaning I think I elevate that and I say of nations instead of just uh, within a country and living it up I, need, I, I think that's what um, I think so um, multiculturalism um, and, 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 and having integrating the Somali community is into the um, to, to the Canadian um, the broader community, broader community yeah. um, lacked a bit. And I think the reason being is um, people coming from, as I said, when the war happened, those who were aggressors and those who were the victims, both of them had you know had, had been impacted by the war. Right, so because you belong to the tribes that were waging war on the other tribes, did not mean that you were saved. Like you know, a lot of people got you know really had hard time because it's it's, it's a war. So it, everybody ran and came to Canada, but we had this loophole to say we belong to different community. Even though we were Somali community, we were able to open up um, different community centers meaning that I could go and say, I belong, uh, I don't belong to that tribe, I belong, so I have to serve my community. So the communities became to be known as it belongs to so-and-so, so certain groups will not go to certain places. And I think that hindered our ability to reconcile and unite and, 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 and have a front where we can really predict and, and, and plan to the future. Um, and come together. So um, I think multicultural is is is, is culturalism is, is great, but uh, for us um, it was it was it was a bit tricky. And now it's getting better, like because most of those agencies are kind of closed now. So, so I think people are getting. Yeah, I have an, un <coughs> an yeah. understanding. So that when people came, they some set up agencies or services to help support the community. Again, when people came, they brought with them what they came from absolutely, and they not necessarily understood 
a little different perspective. So it's a recreation of what was happening or not happening very effectively mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. back in Somalia. So even if the organization had the name Somali in it, mm-hmm. if one looked deeper mm-hmm. in terms of its practices, mm-hmm. it was more along the tribal lines or tribal clan lines, lines right? Yeah. And it wasn't limited. It wasn't limited into only communities. It also even spilled over to worship places. You know, certain groups worshiping in certain, um, uh, uh, you know, areas or raising funds. And I think it all, like, I don't think people sat down and said, like, you know, let's do this um, thing called, you know, uh, dividing ourselves. It just happens because I think that is when people are going throughout that motion of figuring out what's happening. It's a protection mechanism, I think. So it creates this us and them yes, mentality absolutely. and a lack of belonging. Absolutely. People don't feel belong mm-hmm. to whatever, to whomever, because yeah. I'm not part of that because you don't want me to be part of that. You know, we, we just mentioned about the divide within the community itself and the recreation of what it came from and brought it, how it organized itself initially here. And that created a challenges within the community itself and families were affected. People didn't connect as individuals. So h- how, how do you see the people who were impacted? Yeah, um, absolutely, you're right. Uh, and um, Sophia put it very well as well. Uh, but if I, I mean, anytime you put everybody in one box, mm-hmm. we know that is good. That's not this, safe. It's not a safe. Because... Um, as a as a community developer, like one of the things that we talked about is that we sometimes serve communities, but we also serve individual needs as well. You know, because your needs is different than my needs, and my needs is different than your needs. Yeah. But when we say that you're you're together, okay, you could be together in a in a in a voice, but your individual needs is different. Yeah. So going back. In the early 90s, um, again, when we talk about that, a lot of things that were missed out was, of course, A, uh, the Somali community are from Africa. So they were the the largest uh, community that left the continent of East Africa at that time that settled here. So there there was nothing for them to come that could help them, that could understand their differences out as well. The similarity, yes, they're coming from the same place. They're the same people. They're the same ethnicity. But there was a, a dif- different things. So it was like looking at the iceberg. Yeah. You look at the top and you say, oh, okay, the Somalian. We're welcoming them. Let's settle. Let's help them. But there was... Uh, the, uh, the so un- an assumption was made just because wasn't recognizing the individuality of people and the lived experiences of those people. And like the symbolism of an iceberg that can represent a person or situation, people were slotted, assumptions were made, judgments were made, and people did not get the, the proper support and assistance they needed to help them integrate. Absolutely. And let's not leave a different culture coming from a different continent, yeah. having a, a different religion than the ma- majority of the Canadians at the time. They were the first wave of not only Africans, uh, Eastern descent of Africans at the time in the 90s, uh, but also the first wave of uh, Muslim nation that was coming in. Now they came in. They have to build all these 
you know, uh, a, a, a new way of understanding. Um, and what, again, that was missed out was also, why couldn't they share their their culture? Why why couldn't like share it with who? Like share it with with uh, with the home, their new home. It, they 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 mostly focused on. Um, they mostly focused on other issues that they left back home. They were not more focusing on this is who we are, this is our new home, this is the culture that we're coming in, and what else also, vice versa. What do we need to understand? Mm -hmm. What do we need to learn? What do we need to give and take? That All that was not focused. So well. now... So it created a divide in some form. In it created roots that have consequences and impacts on the members of the community. Absolutely. Both within the group and external from the group. Yes. Right? And absolutely. from a public health perspective, what's your sense of how families and more specifically parents and then sub to that, the children of the families, how have they been impacted? Well, you know... <laughs> I am told it's an African proverb, but I really believe it. It should be a universal proverb that, you know, um, it takes a village to raise a child. When immigrants, even those coming from civil wars, come to Canada, you know, usually immigrants, um, they are much healthier and they have a more positive outlook than the native Canadians that lived here. Reason being is that when you come, if you're coming from a war-torn country, there is a hope all of a sudden, you know, provided that you, you know, the the country welcomes you and uh, you're accepted as a as a you know mm -hmm. a refugee, and uh, now you are renting a place, um, and your kids are going to school. So you put all your energy, um, making sure that you establish some norms. Um, but it, is, it was very difficult for the Somali community to establish such norms. Just because they did not come, tsunami did not hit, or earthquakes did not come, or um, some one-side government without a tribe um, did not demolish the country. It was neighbors fighting neighbors. It started with, uh, you know, military government being overthrown, and then a whole group being labeled uh, such as the enemy, even though they were the victims of that same regime. So when neighbors are fighting neighbors and you hear, and you're supposed to be the healthiest immigrant when you arrived the first five years, that didn't happen for us. Um, so for example, um, I wasn't there, but my family were in the capital city in Mogadishu. My mom was there. I did not know where she was. I had no idea. At that time, if you recall, um, you know, telephone calls were so expensive. I remember three days being charged over $2,000 by Bell or one of the companies. I don't know which one it was. I think it was at the time. Just because you're calling overseas, not knowing the uncertainty and everybody having that in their, you know, in, in their cycle, like something horrible happened to your family. But knowing people around you are from that same community, 
that is actually chasing your own people. So you you could not. That was there was no um, there was no space to cohesively bring the community together. It was a bit difficult. I really don't blame people. Like it it is just that. And then you realize the same person that you're thinking. Oh, it is that tribe, and then you realize they've lost a, a whole group of family, like nine or ten family members, because a bomb just landed on their on their roof. So it it is civil wars are horrible. I don't know if you're familiar with um, The Walking Dead. I watched each and every episode, and to me, it was a civil war. People see it differently. For me, I saw it as a civil war. That's what happens. You know, things start. Everybody defends themselves. Everybody tries to survive. Everybody takes from the other if they are stronger. And then, as you are all busy with each other, some other crazy things come up, like terrorism. Well, you know, showbiz, yes. movies, television yes. is entertainment. Yes. Though it's put in that context because it's there are messages yes. that many of the writers are trying to get people. That is what I took from that. If they show. put people, if the just directly on the message, people mm-hmm. might not be, quote, yes. um, focused on it so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. So they use the entertainment concept mm-hmm. to promote the message. And mm-hmm. then you as an individual, relative to DECA and somebody else, mm-hmm. you're going to see different things as part of the messaging. As you watch it, right? right. For me, that was the takeaway. Yeah. For me, that was the takeaway. But at the same time, in that same um, analogy, you would see people protecting in that same show, protecting other people and forming, uh, even though they were different, they didn't know each other. That happened. There were tribes that were fighting each other, that were protecting each other at the same time because it was not the individual level. It's never been the individual level. It just happened. And I think um, because of the, um, it, it lasted so long, um, it's unfortunate our young people, are, I find, are more tribal than even, I don't know, I cannot go beyond my fourth name of my dad. And you will find a young people that can go 300, like so many names to, the, to their tribe. Reason being is because the parents that raised them are my age. So if I was a tribal person that was really invested in sending money and, 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 and making sure that the other tribe didn't win, I would be raising that child. So I think we have a um, harder time now. I think it will be really tough to undo the damage we did the last 30 years, trying to weaponize ourselves emotionally and mentally so that we are more stronger and we're more, um, we can, you know, more, I don't know how to say, but um, uh, more stronger than the other people and then we can defend ours. Like it's all um, us and them. And it is not like one group, like, you know, when Rwanda, um, uh, for example, um, the uh, genocide happened. It was Hutus and Tutsis. Just the luck. They're different, you know, more or less, you know. So some Tutsis kind of, Somalis look alike, you know, um, uh, Hutus and other uh, Africans look alike. You know, it's a little bit of a featural differences. But now you have only two groups. Somalis have how many tribes? I don't know, like they're too many, right? So even now with the government we have back home, that same war war is, is, is continuing in here, not by hand or not fist, but by word of words. We're oral people. So we're always propagating and we're always changing and we're always sharing stories that help our side. 
So because the governments are um, built in, in, in tribal lines, like, you know, you have to choose to be on, on the government, you have to come from different tribes. Absolutely, you're right. Um, you're absolutely right. It's really horrible. Like, um, you know, I think uh, when we talk about the Somali Civil War, I think a lot of the people didn't get any um, reconciliation. I think, I don't think that um, peace didn't happen. And I think sometimes I ask myself if, if that peace happens, I think um, progress and, um, you know, would, would come like quicker just because, you know, it, people need to come together and talk about sometimes how to move forward. And just like you say, some are resisting to move forward, uh, using culture, teaching their kids to, you know, uh, inherit that way of thinking. Um, again, you know, you can tell your children about your family trees and where you came from and your roots, but I think it becomes problem when uh, you're using your uh, roots and your culture and, and, and your your tribalism when you're using tribalism as a, as a weapon to to really uh, hurt another tribe, that is a problem. But going back... I just want to put you on hold, because we have a caller. Someone's called in from Minnesota, and uh, you're there, caller? Oh, yeah. Hi. This is, uh, hi, this is Anissa Hadjimoman calling from um, Minnesota. Which also but has a very a, a fair-sized Somali population like Toronto, etc.? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What would you what What do you want to contribute or talk about? Well, I wanted to uh, mention the fact that the problems facing um, Somali families um, and youth in regards to uh, the um, culture and uh, you know trying to adopt and navigate the system and also cope with uh, the trauma that they have faced. Uh, you know, before, during, and after the Civil War, um, it seems it's pretty much the same. Uh, the Somalis that I um, met here in Minnesota are no different than the ones in Canada. I've been to Toronto before uh, for a conference and community meetings um, when I was serving as a Minister of Women Development and Family Affairs. And um, right now, working as a consultant and working with nonprofits um, that work with African communities, I see a lot of trouble that the Somali youth are facing, and um, it has to do with the kids growing up here, you know, adopting different cultural uh, values, and their parents wanting to instill the cultural values that they were brought into, and rather the disconnection in between the two cultures. And also a lot of traditional customs that are sort of, um, you know, was translated, it actually uh, shows that the children do not have anywhere to turn to, and they do not have anybody to talk to about sensitive topics. So therefore, um, you would see children, or at least in my experience, some of the cases that I'm currently dealing with, is uh, children that are actually troubled in school uh, are often um, removed, suspended, or transferred because the school can handle uh, the kids' behavior. And then these kids grow into uh, teenagers or young adults, and then they end up getting in trouble with the law. 
And because of that, we've seen high number of cases where the youth have been incarcerated. And even when they're released from prison, the problems that they were facing as children, the issues that have existed since their youth and, you know, throughout the time that they were arrested and incarcerated and served in prison, um, it's still there. And it seems, you know, and as somebody who served the country before, came back and you still see the problems, how can we balance things? How can we engage the community? And encourage them to actually participate in a very proactive way to empower their children to better themselves and not necessarily abandon, you know, neither of the tradition or culture of both countries, you know, that of their parents, you know, um, background and also the ones that they had adopted or were born and raised here. But right. also, how do we engage and empower the parents themselves because there's so many reservations. There's that um, idea of, I don't belong here. I'm an immigrant. So therefore, you know, I don't foresee myself as staying here for the long term. And I need to get myself prepared to go back. But where is to go back? What is the plan? Is there a path that will lead to successful, you know, um, re- um, you know, integration. Settle into Somalia. No, I'm talking about going back. Families going back, wanting to move back. But then, I've seen many American children that have been shipped off to Somalia, or you know, in Africa for that matter, that were not successful. That were actually stigmatized for being either Americanized or seen different because they have different values. Right. So, for that matter, Somali parents need to adopt the fact that. These children were born and raised here, not in Somalia. And, of course, they will have different views, different way of life that is completely the opposite of what their parents are expecting or were expected of. Oh, caller's gone. She may call back. We'll see. Nevertheless, I think the message part of that is that the, the families experience trauma from leaving and trying to settle here and the idea was that this might be a temporary sanctuary maybe people would go back eventually it it prolonged itself people became settled here in some way though really how what's the quality of that settlement who knows because there weren't the, the right or requisite supports that help people healthily settle here integrate so people become their own world isolation and then there was marginalization within the cultures and the, the community itself and the lack of the understanding and intention from the broader community to want to understand too and support so the youth who were born here or the youth who were really young people and then grew up they've uh, become affected they're not here they're not part of the broader community they're not part of the Somali community there's this situation of not belonging where do I belong I see your brain cells are working there yeah, um, and you know, when I give analogies of Somali community and civil war, I'm actually talking about not only Canada, like it's in general, right? Um, and that's and why I prefaced yeah, it to say yeah, this is not, yeah, it's not exclusive it's to Somalis, yeah, it's not, like though it's we're talking general. with, because yeah. you, you are part of the community. Yes, absolutely. But also within, I, I mean, like even people that migrated from Somalia, they're in a lot of countries. We're all over the world, right? I, yeah. have, I have sisters and brothers every corner mm -hmm. of 
yeah, I come from a big family. My mom had a big, uh, you know, family, a lot of kids, um, uh, which wasn't possible for me because I had only two. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I couldn't afford. Uh, but, and there are a lot of successes that we need to talk about. I think the, you know, a lot of uh, times people talk about, you know, communities that have, um, you know, priority this and low resource this. And, you know, there was a research done uh, a little while, uh, you know, a few years back in like uh, all places like Jane and Finch and those kids were more resilient than a lot of kids. So um, that that resilience, that resilience and, and, and that um, um, connectiveness, uh, connected community exists, but at the same time, we cannot gloss over the issues that we're dealing with. So what we're trying to understand here is, I guess, um, why are we having the issues of um, issues with our youth and uh, how can we resolve this? And definitely, um, anytime you want to support your youth or your children or anybody who needs support or elderly uh, people who came here by themselves and now are aging community um, uh, members, what do you need is, 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 is a collective support. It doesn't have to come only from the Somali community. It has to come from within the community. It has to come from, there has to be policies, like policies that Canada has about, you know, youth development should apply to, Canadi you know, Canadian uh, Somali kids. Um, so alienation happens, really, you know, kids feel different. And I'll give you an example. I love using examples. Um, my child who would classify himself, uh, you know, um, a Canadian, and he was born in Sudbury, um, if you, um, if he's with his um, good friend, uh, and my good friend's um, a son, she came from Poland at the same time I came to, to Canada. So my son and her son, if they are together, both of them born here, Nobody asks where he's from. So we make the assumption that you have to be Caucasian to live in Canada. To be part of here. To be part of here. So that othering is something that happens. And, and you know, I don't blame anybody because now I'm finding myself when I have, when we have a young uh, colleague joining us. If she's another, you know, from Africa, a uh, color or something, I'll say, where are you from? And I have to catch myself. So I, I, I think we have to be also cognizant of yeah. how we um, Us and others. people. Yeah. So you've called back from Minnesota. You there? Oh, you? yeah. Hi. Yeah. Do we just got a couple minutes left. What would you want to... Sure, yeah. Um, I think I, I concur with what the last lady was saying. I do not know her name, but thank you, I wanted to say. Um, I think there's a difference between um, this otherness that is also, um, you know, ingrained in the um, Western culture. There's, a, you know, institutional racism. But what I'm exactly talking about and kind of sort of in-depth uh, digging into is the discussion that within the Somali community needs to have, within the African community to have, so to, we are able to foster positive change in the African community and help young people through understanding their cultural background, embracing their adopted culture, and finding balance in between in order to succeed educationally, intellectually, and socially. Because the children that I've seen both in Somalia here uh, you know, and also uh, throughout Africa, especially East Africa, are lost. They do not know who to identify with. In Somalia, there are corrupt leaders. And here, 
it's just the parents that are reminiscing the days that they were, you know, had uh, glorious days, basically, in Somalia, where it was considered the, you know, the best country where people are educated and people, you know, officials got paid high and whatnot. But our youth are suffering. And despite policies in place, resources, and supportive communities that are not Somali, okay, we so need to have conversations you know, in we're the community. I don't want to cut you off, but I, in, in a gentle way, I have to try to manage this. I would encourage you, if you want, to invite you to call in next week. Okay? Because we're yeah. going to continue with the third segment next week on the conversation of this. Thank you. Because we want to look for positivity. Yeah. Though the reality is there's many challenges. So I think we have to go to the space of challenge to create opportunity. All right? Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it Thank very you. much. Sure. So, Deca, quickly, and then Safia, what could you share just to close yeah. out? First of all, I want to say thank you to the caller. Um, thank you, Anissa, I believe. Thank you so much. Um, just, um, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's really, really difficult to really understand. Okay. Sorry, it's, it's, I got to give it enough time for uh, Safia just to give a few mom a moment. Mm -hmm. Because there's more, oh, there's obviously a lot more to talk about. Mm -hmm. And I, yeah. Mm -hmm. Two well, words, three yeah, words. It, yeah, it was. Uh, Anissa, thank you um, uh, for for making uh, those comments. Oh, definitely, um, I do. I do hear what you're saying, and uh, I thank you. Okay, um, so we'll continue the conversation next week because that there's obviously more. We're not going to come up with uh, the reality of lived experiences over decades in uh, one hour. Thanks very much for the two of you. Appreciate it. Thank You've you. been listening to Mediation Station on CHHA 1610 AM.